0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 35th episode of The False Nines. This is a bi weekly footballing discussion, and I am your host, Zach Pensack, alongside my friend, Adam Goffin. Adam, how are you doing on this balmy Tuesday in Denver? Balmy indeed. Footy, Zach.
1: Record breaking Liverpool footy.
0: Record breaking Liverpool footy, and also record breaking Man City. Mm. So we have a number of records that have been broken in the past few days in the English Premier League. We're 22 matches into the season. Liverpool and West Ham, one game behind at 21. And we'll be diving into the new year with our traditional format today. We'll be going top to bottom of the table, looking at all the different teams and their current runs of form. Then we'll look at the uh, predictions that we made on our last episode. See what those prediction scores are. The fixtures that are coming up this weekend. Making predictions for those as well. Talk about top scorers, transfers that have happened in January so far. We're about halfway through that month, uh, and then we wrap it up with our cacophony of special sections. We get great words, Zach. Appreciate it. It wasn't the exact proper usage of cacophony, but we'll make it loud, so it becomes a cacophony.
1: It confused me enough into believing that it was used correctly. So nice job.
0: (laughs) And that is that is the point of wordplay. Your microphone moment. We have Zach's open mic coming back for a return episode, and then ending it off, of course, with the armchair pundits and. 10 in 90. So as mentioned, we're 22 matches into the Premier League. It was an FA Cup replay day today. A number of teams played Newcastle. We won a game, Zach. We won a game. We're on to the fourth round against Oxford. So we actually have a decent shot of going to the round of 16,
1: which would be very exciting. Let's not count our chickens. I mean, it took us two legs to get past Rochdale, but a comfortable win today, 4-1.
0: A comfortable win. Spurs also winners in their replay against Middlesbrough. You saw Giovanni Lacelso get his first goal in a Spurs uniform in that match. So yep. a number of Premier League teams staying alive.
1: And in addition to that...
0: Mr. Joe Linton with his second goal of the season. That's true. Yeah, a big confidence booster for Joe Linton, getting a nice goal that capped the impressive performance by Newcastle, who was up 3-0 at halftime, finished 4-1 victors to to see off the mighty, mighty Rochdale United. But going back to the Premier League, we'll go top to bottom, as mentioned. And of course, as we will start with every episode until the end of the season, (laughs) Liverpool sitting on their throne. Another win in their last match of this one against spurs it puts them at 61 points from 21 matches the remarkable run form continues
1: it does indeed and that 61 points from a possible 63 is a record for all of the top five major european leagues at this stage in a season phenomenal um running out of super relatives really for liverpool at this point in the season
0: yeah, it's it, we 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 try to compliment them and we try to talk about how the title is in their hands every week and it every every match every gritty win that we've kind of emphasized time after time just a bit more impressive than the last in a way for me.
1: Um, yeah, great three points this weekend on the road at Spurs, a pretty tough fixture. Um, you know, Spurs can't keep a clean sheet. Expected possibly a couple more goals, but they. You know, they play, They had a game plan, and they played it well. I thought they were a little bit fortunate. Andy Robertson had a tackle on um, a newcomer for Spurs, 19-year-old defender, Tanganga. Um, looked like, to me, it could have been a red. What do you think, Zach? <laughs> that was as as
0: clear a red as I've seen in a while. Um, yeah, studs up into the shin. Uh, it, you never want to say that VAR or the league as a whole is favoring a certain team, but it, it is becoming interesting that Liverpool has seemed to get the benefit of the doubt on a number of calls that VAR should be getting right. There are two different Van Dyke handballs in the box that went uncalled this season, um, both of which were more blatant handballs than the one that Declan Rice got called for. We'll talk about that a bit later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that tackle on uh, Tanganga, Robertson should be out for the next three matches. But, you know... Uh, there there always is a, a bit of luck thing that takes teams to this storybook finish that Liverpool will have towards the end of the year
1: yeah I didn't like the way he reacted as well too he um he basically after the, the tackle on Tanganga rolled around himself like he had been injured. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to sell it a little bit, I think, that you know there was contact on both sides. And to me, it's the first time I've been a little bit disappointed in Robertson. That's that's not behavior befitting of a Scotsman.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, a generalization of an entire country. But yeah, I mean I think Robertson does have a bit of an ego and a little bit of a swagger. He's you know, you've seen that you saw in the Champions League last year when he kind of you know, went face to face with Messi. gave him a little shove. Like he, he's enjoying the form that he's in, and he, mm-hmm. he likes to be that kind of like. I think I think he wants to be that bruising Scottish um, left back that you know kind of makes his stamp on any game that he plays. But yeah, that that was a bit of a dirty play, and he, he got lucky to escape without any sort of penalty there.
1: Yeah, agree. So Liverpool getting a little bit of rub of the green, um, a team that is actually playing fantastic now, though I'd say a little bit. Um, uptick in form for them is Manchester City. Yeah, um, so, so you-, you mentioned some uh, some actually. Uh, uh- records that they got as well if you want to cover those. Yeah,
0: so I think even more uh maybe not even more impressive, but but a really really impressive individual record that was broken, Sergio Agüero with a hat trick in the destruction of Aston Villa, uh decimated decim- them. Uh, it was that was of them. That, that was as bad as the Southampton loss even though the score didn't indicate it that Southampton or Villa was Disgracefully bad. But yep. Sergio Aguero getting a hat trick in that match and the the second goal putting him on a tie with Thierry Henry for most goals. Scored by a foreign player in Premier League history. The third goal, giving him that record straight out. And also with that hat trick, he now has the most hat tricks in the Premier League, too. At 12, surpassing Alan Shearer. So two very, very impressive records on a day for Sergio Aguero. And just even further cement his legacy as not only a Manchester City legend, but one of the best strikers to ever play in the Premier League.
1: Can't disagree with anything you've said there. Sergio Aguero, um, we tip our hats to you, my friend. Um, Friend of the pod as well. (laughs) Friend of the pod, yeah. uh, Sergio Aguero, thanks for listening. Um, Great player. Um, I would say, looking at City overall, though, they're in great form. 12 points from 15. The only loss that they had was that um, loss at Wolves after their goalkeeper got sent off. So, you know, a little bit of a tough game there. They were 2-0 up, in that one could easily have gotten some points out of that as well. And good news for City, Laporte is back in full training. Zach, I've been talking about him all season. Leroy Sané might be back later this month, too. So... I don't think they're going to catch liverpool obviously but they should i think at this point be comfortably in second um and I would love to hear your thoughts on what you think their Champions League prospects are with players coming back.
0: Yeah, I, I think that comfortably second. Uh, not sure how comfortably, but I but they're I do a little think, bit
1: biased there on the luster side, though.
0: I, I mean, it's this is their first time in second in over three months, so yeah, I think it would be difficult to say you know they're going to cruise to it, but they are looking a lot better. Obviously, players coming back from injury makes a big difference. But yeah, talking about the Champions League, uh, I I mean, I think. That'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they approach that because, as you said, they're they're clearly not going to win the title, and I do think that, um, especially due to the fact that City in the first knockout round goes up against Man or goes up against Real Madrid, mm-hmm. so you have an immediate tough opponent. I don't think. Um, I don't think Pep Guardiola, especially with his history, playing against and managing against Real Madrid on a constant basis when he was at Barcelona, I don't think he's going to hold anything back in either of those legs. I think they're going to be going for the kill from the off. I could see Manchester City making a deep run if they get past Real Madrid.
1: Yeah, we could potentially see the opposite of last season where we see City winning the league and then struggling a little bit in Europe and potentially Liverpool doing the opposite. So uh, it'd be interesting to see that if if it happens. So, let's get on to third, then. Mm-hmm. Um, that could potentially be second by the end of the season, per your logic. <laughs> Leicester City. What do you make of their recent form?
0: Uh, it, I mean, they've they've had a tough run of games, and not just because of, like, the congested holiday fixture list, because no sympathy there. Everybody has the same amount of matches, uh, except for Liverpool who gets to go to uh, Qatar and play a match there. Um, The
1: only team that had an advantage there was West Ham, because they didn't.
0: They didn't have to go to Qatar, yeah. They didn't have to go up against (laughs) Monterey in a death match in in the Middle East.
1: World and European champions, Liverpool.
0: (laughs) But but yeah, Leicester has definitely had a blip in form recently. It's three losses from five. That being said, two of them against City and Liverpool. I will say that they looked very poor in both of those matches. Mm -hmm. The, The Liverpool one particularly, but you know, you you can't really fault a team that heavily for for looking poor against Liverpool. But City, I thought handled, or excuse me, Manchester City, I thought handled Leicester City, um, and and then the, the loss to Southampton this past weekend. That's that's a damning one right there.
1: Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll get to Southampton a bit later. I don't want to steal any thunder there because they're in great form right now. Um, but are you concerned for a potential top four place at this part? It's a good
0: question. I I'm not terribly concerned, more so because they're they're 11 points up on Manchester United, who is in fifth. So they're 11 points to the good to stay in the top four, get that automatic uh, Champions League position. And I do think that they are just generally a better team than Manchester United. I think that Brendan Rodgers is miles and miles a better coach than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think that they have a, you know, a really compact lineup at Leicester, and they, they all know their roles where that's something we've talked about with Man United the whole year is a lot of players, it doesn't seem like know exactly what they're doing, um, especially in midfield and on, on the kind of fullback position. So I think that Leicester will be able to get this behind them, uh, especially now that it looks like mm-hmm. Vardy uh, is, is coming back into form and, and playing week after week after he had a bit of a, he, he had some resting during during the holiday period.
1: Yeah, and a minor injury scare, but nothing nothing too serious, I think. Mean. Mm-hmm.
0: And, yeah. he, and he also had that really nice assist in their last game against Southampton, kind of playing the role of of I, in a, <laughs> A bit of a comparison draw, but like the the Thierry Henry going into the wing, which he did so famously while playing as a striker in the mid 2000s for Arsenal, and then getting that, it says playing the ball across to to Pratt, Dennis Pratt, for that opening goal against Southampton. So,
1: yeah, it was nice, nice goal, and that through ball from Iose Perez as well, too, over the top, really created.
0: Iose is on a really nice run of form for Leicester right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Iose, my my lost love uh, (laughs) at Newcastle, but he, after scoring, against Newcastle at Newcastle. I'll ask you actually ask you your opinion on this because we haven't spoken since Newcastle hosted Leicester. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion about Ayoze Perez scoring and then
1: doing the ears plug celebration at St James's Park? Um I was a little torn on at the time. I was probably a little pissed off about it at the time, to be honest. Just because we gave up a goal. Just because we gave up the goal, and you know, but you know, he, he's he's earned that right, and I don't hold it against him. I think he's he's a great player. He's somebody that put in his time at Newcastle. He earned that move away to a bigger club that's going to be competing consistently in Europe, like a Leicester will be under Rodgers. Um, so I, I feel like. Probably not the best move he could have made to, to do that with the fans necessarily, but I think in general he had a pretty warm reception to that point.
0: Yeah, and I also think <clears throat> the
1: fans deserve everything they get after the way that they treated him last season. I, I think that they've been critical of him in the past, and that was the why he came up with that celebration in the first place. So yeah. Probably probably pretty fair to think so.
0: In a way, it couldn't be more fair, in my mind, that he would do it against the team that cre- were, were the inspiration for him creating the celebration.
1: Yeah. I think, I think he, obviously, in the back of his mind, will always want Newcastle to do well, I think. Just he's a he's an honorary Geordie, we'd say. Yeah, but he'll
0: always want to score against Newcastle every single time. He plays I think he'll it.
1: want to score against any team that he yeah, plays Yeah, that's against. true. But, that's, you know, it's the nature of him as a professional, right?
0: Yeah, he is a, he is a consummate professional, that Ayoze Perez. Uh, but, yeah, Leicester City, as you said, a bit of this kind of down take in form. But we'll, we'll see um, if they can pick it up in their next few matches. All right,
1: on to 4th. Still Chelsea. Still Chelsea's Zach. Hanging around. Yeah, they are. Pretty good form recently, actually. Seven points from nine. Uh, they beat Arsenal a few weeks back. And this week's uh, this weekend's match was a pretty comfortable 3-0 home win against Burnley. So, um, looking some looking to see some good form from them recently. Uh, one other thing that we noted for this past weekend was hudson Adoy got his first Premier League goal, Zach. I thought he'd scored before.
0: Yeah, so did I. Um, his name has been, you know bouncing around with, with that possible transfer to Bayern Munich last year that fell through. Um, but, yeah, good for him to get get his first goal for the club. Uh, Chelsea looking good, grinding out results. Um, it's it's impressive what, what they're doing right now, getting a run of consistency. Uh, we'll see what happens in the new year. I know they come up with some more difficult fixtures, but, uh, they yeah, they look like they're going to heavily compete for top three, top four position.
1: Do you think that Lampard's going to strengthen this window? He hasn't yet.
0: I don't know. I don't really know if he will. I because like people were initially talking about goalkeeper, they're not going to change a goalkeeper midway through this season. And I don't think that. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that the holes are too big for Chelsea at any position where they would need to strengthen. I think the one concern would be if Tammy Abraham goes down, where do the goals come from up top? But mm-hmm. <laughs> Chelsea's entire season this year is relying on things going right, so why not continue that?
1: Yeah, I think it. In defense is probably one of the areas that I think that they, they'd want to strengthen if they did. Um, there's also rumors about Olivier Giroud going on loan to Inter Milan as mm-hmm. well, which I think would, you know to your point, if, if Tammy Abraham went down and they didn't have Giroud, then they'd be in trouble there. Um, but but in his eyes, I think he's he's looking to obviously make the Euro 2020 squad, so I think it's an important move for him to get some game time.
0: Yeah, I think that would be a good move for Giroud. For and I also read something recently about the statistical ineffectiveness of January transfers um, just as a general basis of like January transfers I, I think it was 48% of strikers signed in January don't score a goal the rest of the season which is interesting that's crazy um, yeah Miggy didn't huh? Miggy didn't Miggy did um, or did not, not not a striker but uh, yeah he's a winner yeah but but anyway I, I don't know I think that Chelsea will keep with what they have stick to their guns
1: yep I think that's probably a good call all right, so on to fifth. Um, a team on the up, I'd say, right now. Playing Absolutely. well. Uh, Manchester United, comfortable 4-0 win against Nars this past weekend. And that front three of Rashford, Martial, and Greenwood all on the score sheet. Um, looking pretty formidable recently. Greenwood, particularly, yep. is he's going to be the one for the future. I mean, none of those
0: players are terribly old. I think Martial is probably 20, I would think 25, 26. He's the oldest of the three. But yeah, Rashford just becoming more and more of a mature player every time you watch him. He had yep. a penalty against Norwich. He had a penalty earlier in the year against Norwich that was saved by Tim Krul. This one, not so much Krul getting a fingertip on it, but unable to stop it. And he just seems very comfortable in that position as the the leading man for Manchester United. Academy product, Manchester born, and it really does seem like it's kind of falling very gracefully upon his shoulders at the moment
1: yeah same for greenwood as well you know no no real investment there people are bringing up through the academy so i mean when you can have two quality players like rashford and greenwood come through like that and not cost you a penny it's it's, it's obviously great for for the future of the club um then rumors recently in the past few days of a big money signing in the offing yeah bruno fernandez of sporting lisbon uh, what's your knowledge
0: like uh, on him? So it's an interesting one. I, I think that Fernandez really made his name known when uh, Portugal won Euro 2016. I think that was kind of the coming out party for Bruno uh, Fernandez. He's a, a center attacking mid. He, he wears the number eight, but he, he does kind of go bombs forward quite a bit. Scored 20 goals last season uh, in the, the Portuguese league, and he does bring that kind of creative spark to a team. It, it's interesting, though, like... I I don't know. I, I guess I'll ask you, do you think that, you know, obviously getting him is get, is going to up their their standard of play in, in some aspects, but do you think that's the signing that they need to go into the top four?
1: Um, I think that they need a little bit more creativity from their midfield. Okay. Um, I do. Uh, I, I look at him, and he's a player that definitely offers a little bit of that. I also think they're looking at this as a long-term replacement for Juan Mata. Okay. When, when he finally retires, he had a peach of a left-footed cross to the far post for— <sighs> for the goal for um for Rashford this weekend yeah. but if, he's not going to be able to play every game he's in his mid-30s now um bringing in a 25 year old who has a lot of the same attributes that Mata did at that age I think is a good move
0: yeah I I think so I think that's a really good point and that's kind of what I was going to touch on that I, I think if you ask me is this the best signing that man you could make I would say no I would say strengthening deeper in the midfield more you know center defensive mid, your kind of more traditional number eights, I guess you could say, uh, would be really where where they could fill some holes. Definitely at fullback uh, could get some strength, but I agree with you. I think that if it is this long-term play to kind of have him learn under Mata, Mata has been playing fantastic recently, but I agree. His legs are getting a bit more tired and it would be a really good investment Investment being the key word, it would cost a ton of money to tear him away from Lisbon at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's being rumored that it's going to be somewhere in the region of um, $80 million, $60 pounds. Million. So, whew, days. A lot of money.
0: Yeah, so on to a team that spends no money at remotely close to that. <laughs> Sheffield United. But it doesn't matter because they're still awesome. Sitting in six, only two points behind Man U. Sheffield United currently with 32 points in the bank. Uh they are now eight points from 40, which is the the mythical arbitrary number of safety. That being said, has been proven recent in recent years to not be the safety number. Safety number is usually a bit closer to 38-37, yep. but uh, Sheffield United in the Premier League to stay for next season, uh, pretty much guaranteed at this point. It's been a good year, and they got another good break in the game this past weekend. Uh, a VAR call that went in their direction, um, and it was a uh, yeah, kind of a, a I guess a you, you could say you would say as a Sheffield United fan uh, something they deserved after having been hard done by a number of VAR calls this season.
1: Yeah, they have they've they've had some calls go against them for sure, um, including in that Newcastle game with the the play on for John Joe Shelfie when we won two nil at Sheffield United ourselves. But in this in this instance, you want to get into it now? Let's, let's, you want to talk about the uh, the goal for West Ham?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. So, i, I yeah. Do you you, you want to give the play by play on this?
1: Yeah, basically the ball came through um, to Declan Rice. We're in the ninety first, ninety second minute. It's one nil mm-hmm. to Sheffield United at the time. Um, the Sheffield United defender heads the ball, trying to clear it. It hits the kind of running arm. You've got the two arms running by the side um, of Declan Rice. Hits his left arm. He continues on with the play. Puts a through ball through. Um, Snodgrass basically beats the keeper at his uh, near post. And they score, and it's 1-1. Everybody's celebrating. David Moyes is going wild on the touchline. Pandemonium. As wild as David Moyes can be. Um, and it's 1-1. And there's this announcement that they're going to check it for a possible handball. And they look at it. And the rule is now that whether it's deliberate or not, if it touches the hand and it build up to a goal, it is going to be clawed back. And Declan Rice was furious mm-hmm. about this. Fuming. game. Yeah,
0: I mean, rightly so. It, it, yeah, it's another example of the, you know, the the way in which VAR is um, just creating kind of sub rules out of pre-existing rules and making that almost invalidating rules, right? Because, like you said, it, letter of the law is that if it hits the hand, it's a handball, and when you're able to look at it in this super slow motion, you can. Almost always justify taking a goal back as you did there, or giving a goal, uh, or giving a a penalty on the other side. Um, Yeah, Declan right? Like, full within his rights to be angry about that. It was there was zero intention on the handball there; just kind of bounced up, and there was no real way it looked like he could have avoided that. But yeah, I, I mean, it's you just you're you're adding another you're adding another kind of like paper to the pile of reasons why VAR is just taking the kind of taking the joy out of the Premier League.
1: Yeah, a lot of people have been really kind of giving that analogy as well, right? It's really just taking the fun out of the game and attendances are dropping as a result. You know, you don't know whether to celebrate or not until the, the VAR check is done. So um, I think I think we leave it there. Uh, what One last thing I'll say on this game, shocker of a mistake from David Martin in goal mm-hmm. um, for West Ham, just basically gifting um, a goal kick directly out to Ollie McBurney, who mm-hmm. kind of ran through and scored the, the winning goal in that one. So. Bummer of a mistake for, for West Ham, but another three points for Sheffield United. I think by the end of February, they'll be safe. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, and so, so going on to seventh end, Wolves
0: sitting a point behind Sheffield United. Um, after a pretty impressive first 15 or so matches this season, getting as high as fifth, Wolves, uh, they've, they found out a pretty poor run of form. It's one point from nine losses to Liverpool, uh, which was a, another loss that was kind of... You know, made controversial by VAR, uh, but then uh, a loss to Watford and a home draw against Newcastle this past weekend. So pretty poor run of form for Wolves. Um, what do you make
1: of of their their current state of of the team right now? I think it's a momentary blip. I think that Wolves, you know, have the added fixture congestion of playing in the Europa. I think they have the talent in the team. I would like to see them invest a little bit this month. Uh, if the opportunity presents itself, we've talked about the potential for them to need a little bit more firepower up front. Jimenez can't do it all on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trey Array obviously is in good form, but he's not an out-and-out striker. So um, I'd like to see maybe a little bit of investment from Nuno this window, if possible.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to see where they'd th- strengthen if it would be up front or getting more depth in the back for a possible Europa League run. So. Wolves are in uh, the knockout stages of the Europa League, and I, I honestly think that that's what they should be going for. I think that they're not going to, they're probably not going to make top five, putting them in an automatic Europa League position. But I mean, I think they're they're as good as any team left in the Europa League.
1: They can beat any team on their day, I think, in the Premier League, and I would say the same is true of the Europa League as it being a secondary. Country.
0: Yeah, why not go for it? Why not go for it and try to get that Champions League spot? Exactly, that'd be exciting. Cool to see Wolves in the Champions League, huh? That'd be awesome. Molyneux would be rocking. That seems like one of the better away grounds to go to. Yeah,
1: they're good, they're good fans there. Oh, um, I'll definitely say that. Yeah. All right, on to eighth. Um, okay, Spurs. This will be an interesting one for us. I think you might have some opinions here. Harry Kane is out until April. Where are the goals going to come? Oh, God. Spurs got
0: murdered by the injury bug in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane out. Musa Sissoko is going to be out at least a number of weeks it looks like. Um, yeah, I mean, the Kane one obviously being the, the most impactful. Losing the talisman up front, the, the club captain, and really, you know, the the whole game that they play is based largely around Harry Kane. Where do the goals come from? That's a good question. Uh, they don't have really any other number nine That's that's... You know, gonna look to produce at the, the clip that Harry Kane does. And I think that's an issue that Spurs have had for a while. Even when Yorente was in form last year, kind of leading them in this, like, almost like dreamlike state to, to the Champions League final uh, without Harry Kane, it, it always seemed like the, uh, the glass slipper was eventually gonna glass shoe is going to eventually turn back into the slipper and that's what it feels like right now so lack of depth at number nine and you know they have the winger play but you can't be relying solely on that
1: no that's right and a concern for me is they're so leaky in defense spurs 31 goals conceded this season that's the joint most on any top half team with arsenal um if you're conceding that many goals you have got to be able to score as well mm-hmm. so if, if that dries up i can see them losing a couple more games here
0: yeah it'll it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see if they buy i i read today that they were, uh, you know, thinking of purchasing. Another, like the they reports were coming out that they were scouting a midfield, which kind of is a bit baffling for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think they, they need to get a striker in January because Ken's going to be out at least two and a half more months. Um, that's that's going to put them in a very difficult position to try to crack the top four, top five.
1: Yep, and I think they need Laris back. I think that'll be a big help for them as well, just mm-hmm. his, his presence. Um, between the sticks is, is definitely a, a plus for them. All right, on to ninth, another London club, Crystal Palace. Hmm, one win in seven for Crystal Palace, but nobody's talking about it. I'm talking about it, Zach. <laughs> good point at home against Arsenal last weekend.
0: Yeah, I, it was a good point. And Crystal Palace, it, it's weird to still see them in the top half. It feels like, you know, with the complete lack of goals that they score and the fact that, as you said, one win in seven, they should be. Closer to the Newcastle area of the table, but yeah, they they grind out results, and with the table as tight as it is, five they're only five points off fifth, which is pretty remarkable. Um, technically, saying only eight points off the relegation zone as well, so they are in an interesting position because uh, I don't think I don't think Palace is good enough to push for for. A, you know, an automatic qualified position, and they're also out of both cups. So
1: what do you think what, – what would you say, if you were a Palace fan, what is the expectation and the hope for the rest of the season? Top half. Top half? I think they've got to be aiming for top half. I think um, if you ask me the question, are they more likely to break into the Europa spots or are they more likely to get relegated? I would probably err on the side of relegated still. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think just there's not enough firepower there. That's where they need to strengthen, and they have needed to strengthen for some time you can't do it on his own. He's he's not that good a striker. No. I mean, they're not going to get relegated, but I, I, if you yeah. gave me the two options,
0: I suppose I would say relegation. Agree. I, I think this is where you see them at the end of the year. I think they end the
1: season in ninth. Okay. Yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty solid prediction. And it, As you said, it,
0: I think it would be a good
1: season They'd for them. They'd be very happy with it, and I think Hodgson's been doing a great job so far this year.
0: Yeah, and so for the last team in that top half a team that would not be pleased to be ending the season in their current spot on the table, it's Arsenal- in 10th, uh, a very interesting weekend it was for Arsenal. Went went from hot big joys to, to big lows very quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think what you're talking about specifically is Mr. Aubameyang scoring and then getting sent off in that game this past weekend. So, out for three games, he'll miss Sheffield United, Chelsea, and Burnley. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Yang is still there in some aspects. I've heard rumors about him potentially leaving this window, um, and Lacazette as well. So, It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. This is a big rebuilding phase for Arsenal. I've said it many, many times. I think that they would like to have him there in the long run, but I think Aubameyang is somebody that might be on his way sooner rather than later. Yeah, you, don't, you wouldn't think that they would sell both of the strikers in January. Though. Depends if they want out. Why have somebody there that's
0: unhappy? I guess so. I don't know. That would be, that would be an odd move.
1: If, if, if they were the same age and you were trying to build your team around one of them, who would you pick? Obama Yang.
0: Yeah. Obama Yang's had a much better goal return uh, since joining Arsenal. Than... I think luck
1: is that brings brings other people into play a lot better than Obama uh, Yeah, I
0: do think so. I and as you said, it's rebuilding here, so it's what does Mikel Arteta want this team to look like going forward? Right. If he wants to be playing at pace, then it's a bummy every single time, but you're right. If he wants a, a striker who can hold up play, and if he wants a team that's really based around the midfield, bringing in, dare I say, Mikel Arteta-esque players, <laughs> then then you'd want... He
1: knows what they look like. Alexander
0: Lacazette, he does. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's been interesting. It's five points from 12 now for Arteta, which does include uh, a, a win over Man U. That was quite impressive. So how would you say his performance as a manager has been so far since going to North London I think average okay.
1: um, I, I haven't been blown away I haven't been disappointed um, I think he inherited like I said a team that is kind of in a, a bit of a downward spiral right now um, so I'm not expecting miracles from him um, I think again he should probably lean on more of the younger players if I was grading him maybe a, a B or a B minus so far
0: okay B or B minus. I went on the number scale, so I said a six uh, for Arteta. I think that really it, it's, it's been far. it's been pretty good. I mean, draw like the draw against Bournemouth one one was the only major blip for me. A two one loss to Chelsea that wouldn't really cause any alarm bells to ring. Chelsea is the better team. And then beating Man United uh, and drawing on the weekend, but you know when you go down a minute, it makes it a bit more difficult. So uh, it's. It's been a decent return for Arteta so far. But again, as we talked about last episode, it's pretty much a free second half of the season. for him. Yeah,
1: it'll take him a while to get used to it. But to your point, I don't. I think, you know, the expectations of the fans would be they get back into Europe. But they haven't qualified for the Champions League for a year. So certainly no fourth place aspirations. Yeah, think. they're pretty much
0: playing for 2021 at this point. Yeah, agree. All right, cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll dive into the second half of the Premier League table.
1: All right, welcome back to the False Nines. We're counting down the bottom half of the table, which probably includes Newcastle, Zach. And we're starting with number 11, Everton Football Club. Uh, Richarlison is flying right now. I think that's probably the main point um, I have here. Eight goals for the season. Cracking strike this weekend against Brighton. Got the winner in a 1-0 win. And he is still only 22 years old. What do you think the ceiling is for Mr. Richarlison? like uh, okay, In... in- in kind of what terms? In terms of his personal career, where can you see him like, playing in the future? How successful could he be on a club and international level? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the future is
0: certainly there for him. There, you know, eight goals in just over half of the season is a very good return, especially for a, a player who doesn't play week in and week out as the number nine in any regard. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think he could... Aim for about 15 goals this season. I think that would be a really great return in terms of the ceiling. I think that going to a bigger club than Everton would be the first thing you'd think of. Um, Everclin- Everton is not that big of a club. I, I think that um, there's going to be a high price on his head this summer. I think oh, yeah. that immediately, you know, people. I I feel like his re- his kind of the the hype around him. Was really came out at the beginning of last season when he when he was twenty going into uh, into the prem and he didn't he he underperformed in his first season for sure had a few injuries but I think that you know people have waited for him to kind of break through and it looks like he's doing that right now I think a lot of teams are going to come knocking
1: yeah I think Spain
0: I could see him going to Spain for sure
1: yeah I think from a Brazil standpoint um, I don't know if you agree with this but in my lifetime at least I feel like this is one of the weakest Brazil teams i've seen on paper Mm, interesting Um, i don't think they're as strong as they have been in previous years uh and he might be somebody that they could build a team around in in future years yeah
0: i mean i I think that they have a a, brazil is interesting because they do have a lot like they have some of the biggest name players in the world and and players who are still playing like you know you have mata you have excuse me tiago mata you have um denny alves you have guys who have been around for a while and then of course you have Neymar and, and other players of that ilk, but I think Richarlison is definitely one for the future for Brazil to, mm-hmm. to get that coveted uh, first World Cup title since 2002.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. So, um, anyway, one one more thing I think I wanted to mention here was we we, we didn't mention this previously, but in the FA Cup game uh, a week or so ago, Liverpool's B team humbled the starters of Everton with a 1 0 win. Great, great game for, for <sighs> Liverpool there.
0: One of the most embarrassing things you could probably
1: see as an Everton
0: fan. Yeah, Liverpool played none of of the players who have started, uh, I think, more than two games in the Premier League this season. Mm-hmm. And they still beat them. And they still beat them. So that was pretty bad. Uh, but Everton, uh, as I remember we talked about it recently of you know, how high should they be aiming. And I think they could... Certainly, get top half. They've looked so much better under Angelotti than they did earlier in the season under yeah, Marco Silva.
1: More organized, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, not not scoring a ton of goals right now, but I think some good, decent form for Calvert Lewin recently. So yeah. uh, I'm feeling, I'm pretty pretty op- optimistic about Everton's chances in the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, and and another team that's in a shocking position uh, based on their early season form. Southampton now up to twelfth. It's ten goals in the last ten games for Danny Ings. He has been. You know, who would have thought that he would be this prolific, prolific scoring in the Premier League this season? And Southampton is just getting it together.
1: Yeah, Danny Ings is really on fire right now. Um, He's he's the man of the moment and somebody. Um, who I didn't realize quite had so many tattoos when he took off his shirt to celebrate that winning goal at last year.
0: So yeah, he 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 comes from a family of bricklayers, uh, so he does have that kind of where do you get these blue from? collar roots? Uh, so you know, I I uh, I approve of the tattoos. He <laughs> <laughs> gets Zach's stamp of approval it this week. With, it fits with his bricklaying Zach's, background. Zach's needle of approval this week goes to Danny Ing's.
1: There you go, Danny Ing's is well deserving of it, and I, I want to come out and say that I was wrong about Ralph Hassel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've kind of said many times that I feel like Danny Ings has kept Hasson who in a job through the season, but for the first time, I watched that game. Watched that game, for Leicester, you know, playing at home against Southampton, a team that they went on the road and beat nine nil earlier this season. Southampton came in there into a second place team and they beat them two one, and they were they were, in my opinion, a much better team than Leicester were on the day. Um, they were high, pressing high. Their energy, their effort, effort was fantastic. Um, and they're not a one man team. I, I've said this about um, Denny Ings as well. They're really, really trying hard and pressing up as a team. I thought they were fantastic. And, and looking at their form right now, they are the best form side in the Premier League outside of Liverpool. That's remarkable. Wow. That is remarkable. Yeah, they do have that hunger that it seemed like they were missing earlier in the season,
0: and that'll take you to a you know, mid-table finish for sure with the quality that they have.
1: It's clicking for them right now. Long may it continue. Um, they're a good side to watch when they're playing like that.
0: Yeah, all right. And so on to 13th, the tune our beloved Newcastle
1: United. Switching to a side that's not good to watch.
0: No, not, good, not, not entertaining to watch by anybody's definition of the word entertaining. That being said, grinding out results, in a way, a valuable point on the road against Wolves in the last match. But it seems like every single match we rack up more and more injuries. Uh, two now to Paul Dummett and Dwight Gale re previous injuries that earlier in the season and were forced off in the first half. It's
1: you got to ask questions at this point. You, you do. What, what do you attribute it to, right? All these muscle injuries, quote-unquote muscle injuries. Every team is playing a congested fixture mm-hmm. list at this point of the season. Do you think it's down to the schedule, or do you think that there is some blame to be put at the foot of Steve Bruce here?
0: I think every single bit of the blame is to be put on Steve Bruce and the coaching staff. State your case. Well, I, I, you pretty much laid it out for me right there. Every single team is dealing with these congested schedules. And if it's muscle injuries, as you said, that it's all about training then. It's all about... Conditioning, Muscle injuries are completely, completely about conditioning, have your team, you know, have a high level of endurance and be ready and match fit. And everything about Steve Bruce screams not a guy who's adept at conditioning his players. You know, there's this classic mentality pretty much in everything with Steve Bruce is, you know, we're going to play old school football. We're going to go out and grind it out. We don't need ta- the, the infamous, I don't believe in tactics statement, but I do think it translates to something like this because... You, you need the coaches who think much more multidimensionally than just 90 minutes is what makes a game. There's a lot more than makes a game than that. And I think that Newcastle, for the longest time, has not been a team that's been remarkable, remotely close to having top, top class training facilities. And it's showing right now.
1: Yeah, uh, you've made some good points. Um, I-, I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm really struggling to. Uh, I do think that you know everybody has that, that hectic fest- festive schedule. Um, and they're all dealing with the same things. I was going to make the point though, you know, we don't have the same strength and depth of squad, but everybody has the same squad size as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's tough to tough to really kind of like pinpoint what's going on and I feel like previous years we've had these conversations. It was a bit better under Rafa, but you know, no team is immune to injuries either.
0: That's true, but but I do think you have to be smart enough to rotate your team. And like you said, every team has the same schedule. I think an issue with Bruce is that you know, maybe be it the fact that he's a hometown boy, he wants to win every single match, and I think that he is a bit conceited in thinking that you know we should be going out and trying to win every match. Yeah. During the you know we, we had a number of difficult matches during December. A few of those games, we should have been playing younger players. We should have taken a loss mm-hmm. and saved legs. Florian Lejeune shows exactly that. You know, yeah. played after a six month six month absence, played three matches in a row, and had to come off injured.
1: That yeah. that's fully on Bruce to me. I was pissed that Mickey Almaron started today against Rochdale. Yeah. I think he's our form player right now. Absolutely. Uh, he's now scored four goals on the season, scored again against Rochdale today. But why is he playing? Why is he playing him in that game? It's a nothing game. You should have enough strength and depth to beat that team five times over. Absolutely. Um, but I, I don't know. Nice to see, I will say, um, nice to see LaSalle's come back today. Yep. And Matt Ritchie got the start as well and, and set up one of the goals. So just good to see some players coming back. But... Um, Hopefully we get Alan St. Maximum back soon. It's true. Playing
0: with fire is kind of what, what I would say Newcastle is doing right now. And yep. hopefully it doesn't burn us.
1: Yep. and Indeed. Okay, on to 14th. Um, Brighton, team that I've been pretty big on recently. Um, it's actually only been six points from 21 for Brighton since the start of December. Huge game this weekend. They're playing Villa at home. Villa's um, there
0: for the taking.
1: Villa's there for the taking. Or are they going to try and rebound after that Ooh. huge loss at home? We will see. Brighton's next four games are very interesting, though. Villa, Bournemouth, West Ham, and Watford. Season defining, I think, for them.
0: Yeah, could essentially put themselves in a very safe position if they perform well. Uh, how many points? So it's Villa, yeah, Villa, Bournemouth, West Ham, Watford. Four matches, 12 points on the table. How many do you think that they could take from this?
1: Six or seven. Six or seven? I think that Villa and Bournemouth are the winnable games. West Ham will be tough with Moyes coming back in. They're playing pretty well right now. And Watford are one of the form teams of the Premier League.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's true. Uh, Brighton, another team that does not have a lot of goals in them. Uh, so I think that a, a veteran manager like Moyes will kind of be able to exploit that, try to lock down his defense as weak as it is.
1: Yeah, and six points for them would take them up to 30. So, you know, um, that'll be a pretty decent return then going into the middle of February time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so from, from Brighton uh, in 14th to Burnley in 15th, uh, same amount of points, they're both on 24, uh, but P- Burnley's looking a lot worse for
1: wear at the moment than Brighton does. They sure are, and they were comfortably beaten by Chelsea. Yeah. Um, didn't look close at all. Uh, actually, four losses in a row for them now in the Premier League. They've got Leicester, Manu, and Arsenal, so <laughs> the fixture list doesn't get any easier as does,
0: does it go to seven? Do they lose all three? I could totally see it. it could be yeah. Yeah. I absolutely could totally see it. Yeah. Oh man, they,
1: they could they could be an 18th by the end of January. Yeah, it's possible. Um, Burnley <sighs> are not playing well right now, and they've had a couple knocks recently to Ashley Barnes and Jay Rodriguez. Um, they're day to day, not any serious injuries, but you know, fitness level concerns around them playing every game. So you start resting those players for Leicester Menu in the hopes of getting them back for winnable games.
0: That's kind of my mentality. i say you know cut your losses when you can because you're you're not going to win
1: those games. Yep, you're not going to play Man City at home every week. You know so exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I
0: mean, man, it's gonna be tough. I don't I don't know how much longer. Do you think Sean Dyche has a job going into the summer?
1: Yeah, I do. I think even if Burnley go down, I think Dyche stays. Yeah,
0: Yeah. he is kind of he is kind of there. He, like, he really is what Burnley Football Club is all about. Yeah, I
1: don't think anyone would dare fire him. I think he would punch them in the throat if they tried to fire him. In a weird
0: way, in 15th, on a very poor season, he's one of the most untouchable managers in the Premier League, both <laughs> yeah. literally and figuratively. That's right, yeah, exactly.
1: You, you try and physically tell... Mr Mr Sean Dice that he's out of a job. you would be a brave man. Yeah, exactly. Bring in Vinny Jones maybe to deliver
0: the news to him. That's true. Yep. Oh, that would be a great scrap would not, wouldn't it? Admit,
1: that'd, that'd be good. That'd be that'd be delightful. Dice is a fellow ginger as well too, so I'd be firmly in his corner. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Fair yeah. enough. I like that. All right, on to 16th West Ham United. We talked at length about Declan Rice handball situation. Um I think though so far Moyes doing a pretty good job one win one loss could easily have taken a point from that one they've got some big games coming up now Everton, Leicester and Liverpool so tough run of fixtures for West Ham they're still only in 16th how do you see the next few games panning out for them
0: Yeah I, I certainly certainly a tough next three matches I think that aiming for they can get best case scenario I think they get 4 from 9 I, th- I think they beat Everton and they draw Leicester. Um, mm-hmm. But I think probably more realistically, maybe two points at best. Yeah. Uh, like two draws at best. But it's going to be tough because, like, Sitting in 16th, they're only one point outside the drop zone. Mm -hmm. That being said, I don't think West Ham is one of the worst three teams
1: in the Premier League. No, they've got a great squad. Um, They just need to really have them fire in in the same direction. They need to get defenders
0: in January. Their defense has been awful, 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 awful awful this season. But I think Moyes was a good signing.
1: But still only a negative eight goal difference. It's actually the um, second best one in the bottom half there behind Everton and Brighton. Yeah, I suppose so. Not terrible. They just haven't been scoring a lot of goals either. and They've kind of kept Good food, clean sheets recently. So, yeah. All right. Um, So, from West Ham, we move on to probably alongside Southampton, form team in the Premier League right now. and I lost a bet, Zach.
0: You did. You did lose a bet, and you have not paid out yet, which is kind of interesting to me. So, at the beginning of the season, Adam and I—what can I say? <laughs> Adam and I made a bet that uh, Adam. Actually, I didn't even make the bet. Adam proudly proclaimed that Watford would never step foot outside the bottom three this season.
1: I blame Nigel Pearson. Nigel Pearson. He's responsible for
0: these shenanigans. That—that's what he does. That's what he did in Leicester. <laughs> like it's—it's it's just history repeating itself. It's thirteen points from fifteen for Watford. An unbelievable return. 3-0 win away at Bournemouth, getting them out of the bottom three. And Pearson has lit a fire under the Hornets.
1: They look like a different team. Yeah. I, I watched the whole game for this one as well. And you couldn't have a more Apples versus Oranges performance. And Bournemouth versus Watford. Um, it was it was awful to see how bad Bournemouth were. And then on to um, Watford. Watford were fantastic. And somebody getting my... Stamp of approval. <laughs> was very, that was a very light
0: stamp. That was a very hesitant stamp of approval. It
1: will come out better on audio, I promise, on the pod. Don't worry. There it is. Yep. All right, my stamp of approval for this week was Abdulai Decore. Uh He's in fantastic form. Did you know that Big Nige decided to make the move and move Decoré to the number 10 role after he started, and he has been lighting it
0: up. Is he wearing the number 10 jersey? He's
1: not wearing the number 10 okay. jersey. That would be a mid-season jersey swap. He's playing as a false 10, if you will. Ooh. Um, yeah. So he got one goal in their first 16 games, and now he has two in five. He looks like a player reborn. Um, definitely somebody I'm excited to watch through the end of the season. Um, and somebody who's really kind of come good, I would say. Other players that are coming good for that team. Uh, Troy Deeney's back on form as well. Yep, He's, he's scoring some goals. Um, and, you know, they're not relying or having to rely as much on Deo La Fea, which I think is a relief for him. Yeah, I think that Deo La
0: Fea was never going to be able to carry them Single-handedly outside no. the drop zone, no. uh, but yeah, I and mean it's it's a lot of hunger. It's it's the same thing you're seeing out of Southampton, really. Mm-hmm. Like it it is that kind of playing within your means, but but playing
1: as the underdog, playing with the chip on your shoulder. Set them up is tough to beat, and you know it's it, that's what they've done for Watford and Southampton recently. You know, really good core fundamentals in the team, chasing down every ball, and you know some goal scorers in there that can chip a few goals in for you.
0: Yeah, I mean I think. Ooh, I, th- I think that Watford could, could certainly survive. I think that it is about confidence in the second half of the year. It is about you know how much you believe in it. Um, and we'll now go into the bottom three. Three teams that certainly don't look like they believe in anything at the moment.
1: No, three-three strugglers, if you will. Um, let's start with Villa in 18th, 6-1 loss against City we talked about. They were humiliated in that game. I think,
0: I think it was three goals in six minutes in the first half.
1: At least have a go. Uh, it was At least awful. have a go. Norwich beat Mahome. We got a point off of Mahomes. 6-1 against City? Nobody, yeah. Nobody loses 6-1 to City this season. Yeah, that
0: was... It was a humiliating performance. Um, and, yeah, it, it really seemed like from almost the first goal, that the Riyad Mahrez goal, it, the game was over. Like, yep. it, the floodgates opened immediately. Yep. Um, it, was, it was two from Mars in the first half, one from... Aguero, and then one from Jesus, 4-0 at halftime. Mm -hmm. Awful, awful performance. But the injuries are really going to put them in a very difficult position now.
1: Yeah, Tom Heaton's out till October, so he's out basically into next season with a knee injury. um, There's rumors that they're getting Pepe Reina in that's close to being completed. Um, He's in from AC Milan. And then John McGinn's out till April with a broken ankle. That's a huge one for them. I'd say even bigger than the Heaton thing.
0: Yeah, that's massive. I mean, he, we've talked about him as really the only other creative spark alongside Jack Grealish and that McGinniest-a. team. McGinniesta. McGinniesta. Can can we take that name away from him at this point? We uh, cannot. No. Okay. He, he needs that spark of hope for that's, his recovery. That's a long road to recovery. Yeah. It it is interesting seeing them bring in Danny Drinkwater, who I totally forgot was still in the Premier League after that ill-fated move to Chelsea a number of years ago.
1: Yeah, he's been on loan at Burnley for the first half of the season. That loan ended. hasn't really played a ton. So um, I'm like, well, let's bring him into Villa, another relegation struggler.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Villa not looking at a good position. They're in 21 points, which is one back of Watford and West Ham. But
1: again, it's all about form right now. It is. And I'll tell you, team is in pretty terrible form right now. <sighs> Bournemouth. Oh, my. Oh, that defeat against Watford... We mentioned it briefly when we talked about Watford, but they basically looked like they were disinterested. They looked like they didn't care. And uh, it's so hard to watch because I believe there's so much talent in that, in that team. Eddie Howe came out after the game in the press and said he'd analyze his own position as manager. It's wild. Um, that's him basically saying... I love Bournemouth so much that I am not beyond stepping down myself if I think somebody else can come in and save this team right now. It reminded me of
0: what just happened in American football where the Cowboys largely rumored to be uh, on the cusp of firing Jason Garrett, their head coach who had been with the organization in a variety of roles for about 20 years. And when they did officially fire him, the official press release was that... They spoke with Jason Garrett, and he agreed to be fired from the club. <laughs> so It's respecting, right? It's respecting, but I, I don't know. I think the whole Eddie Howe nice guy, the, the candle has burned to the end of its wick. I think that they need a rocket up the ass, and he's not the man who it seems like is going to give it to him.
1: It's such a shame. It's such a shame. Um, the rumors are, with Eddie Howe specifically, that he will not be fired. Pending the next three games, but is that the right call? They've got Norwich, Brighton, and Villa in their next three games. If they keep Howe and they lose those three games, I mean, that's it. They're done, right? As a former player
0: and now the current manager for Villa, I think there is, or excuse me, Bournemouth. I think there is a zero percent possibility that Eddie Howe would ever walk. I I think that the whole "I will do what's best for the club" because I love the club will be trumped by. I love the club so much that I don't want to leave it. could never leave it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that the whole idea of him saying, I would walk away, like there's, ha, there's no way to repair your ego after saying, I don't deserve to fire himself. That's what that would be. It would be yeah. firing himself. There's no chance that he walks. They will have to fire him. Yeah. If they, yeah. I think that if they don't get Norwich, Brighton, and Villa, they need to be getting at least six points. So yeah, if they don't get at least six points, I need, I think he needs to be fired.
1: Yeah, I think, and I think that they're too far behind at that point. If that happens, yeah, to lose those three games against relegation rivals, you know that that would put them several points even further back at that point.
0: Uh, but, uh. So, so what do you from from the possible nine against Norwich, who's the only team below them, Brighton, who's in fourteenth, and then Villa, who's only one place ahead of them in eighteenth? How many do you think they need for Eddie Howe to keep his job? How many do they need? Yes, six. They need six. So they need to win. How two many do I three. think they'll get one? Really? One. I think they got one draw from
1: three. I think they'll draw against Norwich, and I think they'll lose to Brighton and Villa. Wow. If, if Howe stays in his role. Yeah? I just, I can't see it happening.
0: That's wild. Yeah? Wow. Yep. How, how the mighty have fallen, and I'm not talking about Bournemouth, but I'm just, talking about Eddie I watched Eddie that Howe. game.
1: They were terrible, Zach. Yeah. They, did, they didn't give a shit, and it was awful to watch. It's really, really sad for Eddie Howe, but... That's where it's you are him. right now. You're in 19th for a reason.
0: Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, and so, bust, busting a lot on Bournemouth. There is one team that is worse than Bournemouth, you you would want to know from, from our speech right there. Norwich is in 20th, bottom of the table, 14 points from 22 matches. Uh, they are looking like they have never played together. They, they That team looks like none of those players know what each other are doing on the pitch.
1: Yeah, they're... <laughs> They're pretty bad. Uh, there's a couple of standout players, but they're just not really playing well as a yeah. team right now. They look like a team that didn't invest in the summer, and they look like a team that will continue to not invest in January as well. You know, they'll bring in these bit part players, these quote-unquote fines from Daniel Farp from his homeland, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to be big enough to influence the team on a Premier League level. Maybe they can do it in the championship, and they probably will at this point, looking at the way the team's performing. I agree with that. Massive game against Bournemouth this weekend. Huge game for both teams. A six pointer. That is the true definition of a relegation six pointer right there. Absolutely. Twentieth hosts
0: nineteenth. It'll be it'll be exciting to watch. Uh, so yeah, do you do you want to take one more break and then we'll get into the final sections of the pod?
1: Yeah, let's do that. Go ahead. All right. Alright, welcome back to the Falsteins everyone. We are here, and we're about to talk about Match Day 23, Fixtures and Predictions. Before we get there, though, we should talk about our predictions from Match Week 21. It was a tie this week, Zach. I finally did not lose to you. Yeah, I've been on a nice run of form recently. You have. It was 7-7, actually. This is the highest-scoring affair that I've ever put up for, for some time. Uh, you correctly predicted Newcastle and City's wins. I predicted a 1-1 draw between Chelsea and Brighton. So, you ended up getting two of them correct i ended up getting one of them correct but i predicted a couple of the correct results or s- not score lines, but results well done to tie me back up so current score is 22 19 to zach again loser at the end of the season will have to buy a jersey for the winner decided upon by our listeners
0: that's true i forgot what that punishment was right. so going to our predictions from uh, for this upcoming Uh, Weekend, we'll run through these, and we'll start with the Saturday games. Uh, First match on the early match is Watford hosting Spurs. Watford 17th, Spurs sitting in 8th.
1: What do you see this match ending at? I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw here. I think Watford will... Um, definitely score a goal in this one. Spurs have a terrible defensive record. Um, but I don't think they win it. I think it's a 1-1 draw at Watford.
0: All right, I'll take that to 2-2. I, I agree. I think it's a draw, but I
1: think there are more goals in that than just two. That's probably not a bad decision based on Spurs' form. <laughs> All right, on to see the next game. Um, so Arsenal are hosting Sheffield United. Tenth host sixth. Who would have thought we'd have said that at the beginning of the season? Um, Arsenal coming off a draw. Sheffield United coming off a win against West Ham. Who do you think wins this one?
0: This is a tough one. Uh 1-0 one Sheffield United. I think that Sheffield United is good enough to get a goal against the lowly Arsenal defense and I think that they can also shut down the
1: game. Well, you stole my prediction there. I'm also going for a 1-0 Sheffield oh, United win. Look at there. that. I think that Arsenal are not playing very well. Sheffield United have a great Great away record this season. No Aubameyang, so I think the goals dry up. One nil Sheffield. Oh, that's
0: true. I didn't even think about that. All right, to, to two bottom dwelling teams. Brighton hosting Villa. It's 14th hosting 18th. What do you see this one
1: ending at, Adam? I see a two one win for Brighton here, Zach. I don't think Villa gets back on track in this game. Brighton have been pretty solid at home this season, um, and they're coming off a loss, and they'll probably want to, uh, to entertain their home fans with three points.
0: Yeah, I like that. It was only a 1-0 loss at Everton, which is a decent result for Brighton. So I think 1-0 in this match. I think they win, and I think they keep a clean sheet.
1: 1-0 Brighton. All right, no goals for Villa. They got one against City, but not at
0: Brighton. Not it at Brighton. It. So uh, speaking of City, they are hosting Crystal Palace in our next match, one of the few matchups of two teams in the top
1: half of the table. Uh, yeah. Where, where do you see this one ending? So, Palace have had a good defensive record this season, but I don't think that's continuing. City are scoring for fun right now. I'm going for a 4-0 City win.
0: Okay. All right. I think that Palace does a decent job here. I think they, they lose 2-0. I, I don't think they score, and I don't think they win or draw, but I, I think they hold City for a bit, and then you know, Sergio Aguero will do something. He'll score. He'll hit the ball into the roof of the net from a very tight angle because that is what he has made a career of doing.
1: I would like to quote Zach in saying they will do a decent job and lose 2-0. Yeah,
0: that's 100% what I mean there. I'm glad you caught that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the next match, arguably the biggest match on the fixture list this weekend. Game of the weekend. Norwich hosting Bournemouth. It's that relegation six-pointer. This was a tough one for me. I went with 1-1, I think. (sighs) so did he, Isaac did you I, oh, did. I think it was an even split there uh yeah Norwich is fighting for their life and Bournemouth very much so the same
1: uh yeah I don't see one team being
0: better than the other in this
1: one yep I think it's going to be a, no winners in this one I think we're basically just going to have even Stevens and not really helping anybody by the end of the game all right this one's an interesting one you would have probably predicted an away win for this one in past weeks but now not maybe not so much so Southampton hosting Wolves what do you think
0: Yeah, this is a tough one because you're right. Southampton, as you mentioned earlier, best form outside of Liverpool in the Premier League right now. I don't know. I I really like this Wolves team. They've found themselves in a bit of a stumble, but I, I think they get it back together. I think it's a 2-1 win for Wolves here to kind of jumpstart the second half of their season.
1: I'll also go for a 2-1 win, but I'm going to go for Southampton here, Zach.
0: Keep the good times rolling on That's the South right. Coast.
1: It's pretty tough to, to win there, at St. Mary's, so we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I like that. That'll, that'll be an interesting one. That's maybe the prediction I'm least confident about.
1: All right. Yeah, Unless you're Leicester, of course, it's hard to win there they right. win 9-0, so. That is true. Yeah. Uh,
0: so West Ham uh, hosting Everton in the next match. It's sixteenth hosting eleventh. Do you think uh, that that Moyes is able to get his team on a roll here?
1: It's going to be interesting. There's the old, old, obviously link, obviously between Moyes and Everton here. So I think that will mm-hmm. be a curious one for him. Um, I think that we'll see a draw here, and I'm predicting a two-two.
0: Ooh, I like that. I like that. Uh, I'll say 2-1 Everton. I think that Everton goes away from home, and I think that... I, I like David Moyes, but I think Ancelotti is a much, much better manager. Of course he is. Yeah, he's <laughs> arguably the best, one of the best managers yeah. in the world.
1: No argument there for me, yeah. but... Early days for, for for David Moyes on the I think bounce he's be fired up for this one
0: yeah we'll see uh, so our next match one of one of the matches that I always look forward to it seems as though Newcastle hosting Chelsea is always entertaining um, it is
1: we've they've been a, they've been I, I would say we've been a bogey side for them in previous years definitely um, but I don't see that happening this time. <laughs> I see us losing two one at home to Chelsea
0: ah, getting a goal uh, two no loss for two, Newcastle no, loss. no
1: goal for Mickey uh, no I don't
0: think so I think that. Chelsea is has so many midfielders that they'll be able to kind of suppress him there.
1: But he scores when he wants, Zach. Right?
0: He does score when he wants. Mickey he scores when he wants. <laughs> exactly. I think Joe Linton comes close. I think that he has a good game, and I think Newcastle fans continue to give him undeserved criticism for not scoring goals.
1: Do you think when he scores his next goal at St James's Park he puts his fingers in his ears? I was about to Iowa say
0: Harris? nothing in this world would
1: make me happier than I say that. <laughs> I would
0: love him to give a middle finger to the Newcastle fans because they've been disgraceful to him this so far. This I season. heard
1: something or uh, I read something the other day that apparently he was getting booed at Rochdale in the home game where Rochdale drew one one against Newcastle and he had no idea what was going on because his English is so poor. Yeah, well, no.
0: Good for him Yeah, I, I, I think that's better for his longevity And his career for mental health If only Robbie Savage couldn't speak English Ooh, that's, Oh, that's good, deep cut, I yeah. like that <laughs> Alright, so on the Sunday games We have Burnley, the 15th place club Hosting Leicester uh, Where do you see this one ending?
1: I think Leicester gets it back on track here 2-0 win for Leicester at Burnley
0: Yeah, 3-0, I'll, I'll go with Leicester But yeah, okay. I think that they will barnstorm The Clarets in this one
1: Non-relegation game of the weekend coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the final one of the weekend as well. The late game on Sunday is Liverpool hosting Manchester United. Who are, Zach? Still the only team to take points off Liverpool this season.
0: Yeah, and I think that they come close in this match. I'm going to go a 1-0 win for Liverpool, and I'm going to go with a disallowed Man U goal via VAR.
1: What sort of VAR disallowed would it be? Uh fr- ar- offside so Armpit arm pit off sides. Armpit off sides. <laughs> I'm gonna go for uh, a handball in the lead up to the goal <laughs> from David De Gea. <laughs> Hand of God from Day
0: <laughs> Outside <laughs> uh, his penalty area in review. I like that. So how does it end, in your opinion? 3-1 Liverpool.
1: Yeah, okay. I can't see them keeping Man U off the score sheet with the way that the attackers are playing right now, but I think they still win it comfortably.
0: All right, cool. So that's your predictions for the weekend. We'll revisit that in a couple weeks. But wrapping up our uh, Premier League statistics uh, for this week, we have the top scoring charts. It's Jamie Vardy still ahead at 17th. He hasn't scored in a while now, but... Drew a pretty big gap earlier in the season. Uh, with 14 goals, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Danny Ings, of all people, I cannot believe I'm saying that. Scores when he wants it. And Marcus Rashford, who has been quite consistent recently. And then with 13 goals, Aguero and Tammy Abraham sitting right behind. So getting a bit tighter now. It'll be interesting to see where it is in a few weeks.
1: Yep, certainly will. Um, and I would say also with Jamie Vardy being on 17 goals right now, he's missed a couple of games. He is sitting now. Newcastle is climbing four behind Newcastle. Do you think he can claw Newcastle back in the top scoring charts? I think so. I think he'll. I
0: think he'll put up a hat trick at some point, <laughs> and we'll have a a, a nil nil at home to Norwich.
1: That will most likely happen. Oh, man. All right. Um, quickly to concentrate as we're in January right now on some of the key Premier League transfers to date this month. Danny Drinkwater, we mentioned to that uh, mentioned earlier when we were concentrating on Villa, has gone from Chelsea to Villa on loan. As has Pepe Reina from AC Milan to Villa on loan, really to just kind of back them up for those two injuries that we mentioned. Uh, Tosan has gone from uh, Everton to Palace on loan. So. There's their striker that they've brought in. It'll be interesting to see. He's a bit of a mercenary in my eyes. And then João Pedro um, is an unknown Fluminense player who came into Watford for 3.6 million. And then Friend of the pod Takumi Minamino from Red Bull Salzburg, has gone to Liverpool for 7.3 million well put. Great British Pounds. So we'll see how he does. Nothing really to shout about at this point. Rumors about Ericsson um, to Inter as well, not confirmed yet. Yeah, Pretty looking close. very,
0: very close to getting over the line. I, I read today that apparently he has a, agreed to personal terms, which doesn't really mean that much i mean i could agree to personal terms with the club but right. uh you know it's well i couldn't agree to personal terms that's a bit of a, a kind of an ego boost i i have heard that the sum is what's being argued between the two clubs inter only wants to pay 10 million yeah for christian ericsson. and
1: they want 20 for him which is a huge bargain i would say i would um, for a I, player like ericsson
0: i would argue that daniel levy's Actions over the last six to eight months with how he dealt with Christian Eriksen wanting out is one of will go down in history as one of the worst dealt transfers ever because I think you if like he Daniel Levy did every single thing wrong he sat he didn't sell Christian Erickson when his price was so high last summer, and then he decides to sit him to start the season, which just plummets his value. Yeah. It, pretty, made,
1: it made no sense. It's pretty terrible, and you know, you're, you're paying for that now, you're going to lose out on a lot of money that you could probably do with with Harry Kane being injured. So.
0: Spurs are spurs.
1: Yeah, that's how they were all. All right, on to uh, one of my favorite sections of the pod, Zach, your microphone moment. Um, so, we have five listener questions this week. Uh, and again, just as a reminder, if you're interested in sending us in your questions, you can send them over to the false nines podcast at gmail.com. That's the false number 9s podcast at gmail.com. We've got some great questions this week, Zach. You ready? We do. Let's go for it. All right, from Chris in Wales Will Burnley be relegated this season? It's a good question.
0: Uh, I think the bottom three right now is the bottom three at the end of the season. You think Villa goes down? I do think Villa goes down. I don't think Villa's very good. I don't like Villa very much.
1: I am not a big Villa fan either. Yep. Inju- exactly. Injuries are going to hurt them. Who's going to be your next Messiah or deck? Yeah, that, that one is never going to be forgotten by Toon fans. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. But I think Burnley comes yeah.
0: pretty damn close. I think they try to go down and get rejected by the bottom three.
1: They were they were here this time last season. They had that kind of run of form and they picked it up when they needed to. I think they'll do it again. Mm-hmm. All right, next on to Rich in England. This is a great question. Who would you say has been the biggest flop of the summer transfer window? Um, I'll start Joe Linton. Okay, that's Um, a very unsurprising answer. Outside of Joe Linton, I would probably say Nicolas Pepe.
0: Ooh, okay. I was tempted to say Pepe as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's there are multiple ways to interpret this question. Like biggest flop, you, you could say who had the biggest expectations and and is failing to deliver on that. I just went with the one that has like impacted a team in the worst way. I'm gonna say David Luiz. So I'm gonna also say an Arsenal player. <laughs> just getting him as yeah. your as your way to fix your center backs never made sense then, and it hasn't made sense now.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, honorable mentions I would add in there would be um, Moise Keane. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a bit too early to say that. But. Too early, but you know, hasn't really lived up to expectations so far. Um, don't think you can call him a flop yet because he hasn't played the amount of game time that some of those other players have. Yes. And then I'd also add Denny Welbeck just for more injury concern reasons. Yeah, man, he has not been able to be healthy at any point in time. No. Feel he, bad for that guy. He is not. Yeah. All right, on to our third question, Zach. Um, James from Denver. How many points do you think Liverpool finishes with this season? And just to recap where they're at right now, they are on 61 points currently um, from 21 games. So we have 17 games remaining, possible 51 additional points. They could finish on 112 points if they won out from here on out. How many yeah. do you think they get?
0: I think they end at 108. Do you think they lose a game? I do not think they lose a game. I continue with that prediction. I think they win 15 and they will draw twice. That'll be away at Wolves in a week and a half and then away at City in
1: April. That's tough. Um, they comfortably get over 100. I don't know that I necessarily have a points total in mind here, but I think 105, 106 is probably achievable for them.
0: Do you think they lose a game?
1: I think that Liverpool will come to Newcastle. <laughs> I know. And we'll lose at St. James's On party. the
0: final day of the
1: season. That's yeah. exactly what will happen. They right. will be invincible. No more, Zach. I'll bet you
0: $100 that doesn't happen. I will not. Take that. <laughs> I will call your bluff. No <laughs> part bluff. of me will take that. Yeah. No, they're they're going to finish. I think they'll break the points total. Uh, 108 would be pretty remarkable. But, yep. well, yeah, we'll see what happens. So, a uh, fourth question here. We have Steve from England. Steve has always given us a nice, meaty question. Uh, he says... Leeds are currently second in the championship with 16 games to go. They currently hold a 6-point advantage over Brentford, third. Will they get promoted this season, or will they bottle it again? Adam, I'll leave this to you, because I'm not a, I'm not a big championship expert.
1: Leeds always bottle it, Zach. Oh, okay. And I think that they're going to bottle it again. Brentford are playing really, really well right now, and there's some strong teams down there, including Fulham, who are playing really, really well. Swansea are not out of the races there either. Um, so I think that Leeds does bottle it. I think West Brom are in first place right now. West Brom will go up directly. Uh, West Brom and Brentford for me.
0: Is West Brom still being led by Darren Moore?
1: No, actually, they um, are managed currently by uh, ex-West Ham, manager and Village.
0: Ooh! Oh, the Eastern European gangster stealing a job in the championship. That's I right. like it.
1: I have a feeling if um, they if Fulham don't go up, he might bring Mitro in and uh, have him lead the line at West Brom next season. That would be pretty cool. It would be I'm, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> of course, if Hal Robson-Counter doesn't retire because if Hal robson is fit, he's obviously leading the legend, line. Legend, legend. One of my favorite
0: great. players of all time, <laughs> easily. Yep. Uh, okay, nice. Thank you for that question, Steve. We'll go on... So the fifth, fifth question here, it's Matt from Boston. And Matt asked me, does or asked us, does Jordan Henderson deserve the England Player of the Year award that he was awarded today? Adam?
1: Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think of players that would deserve it over him at this point. Hmm. You could make an argument for it. I, yeah. would, I would say that just the way that he's been playing, I know that you, uh, in last season's basically made an argument that he was the most influential and most important player for Liverpool um, and I think that you know or for, for England for England yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, um, but obviously had, a, had had been a fantastic performer for them I would say if you're looking at alternatives for that Harry Kane would be high up my list Sterling Sterling as well but not recently Sterling's been a little bit um, well when you think about the relationship that he's had with internally with other players in the England team he's probably caused a little bit of problems there yeah take him off of that list. Trent alexander arnold on the way up. But too, Henderson, too yeah, uh, Henderson, I think it's probably a good shout.
0: Yeah, I, I think he rightfully deserves that award. He's been a great le- leader for club and country. Uh, I, I believe he has captained England in, in numerous fixtures when Harry Kane has been out. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. I think he's a player that has really just his career has continuously risen and it's good to see him at the level that he's at
1: I just struggle with him as a Mackam's I
0: know is he from uh, Sunderland mm-hmm. as well because I know he, play- he played for Sunderland mm-hmm. right yeah Yep. alright that's a that's a tough one then
1: yeah it is pretty tough um, okay on to our next section of the podcast well actually
0: so I just received I, I was meaning I mentioned this I just received a bonus six question no way from my own father Steve in
1: Connecticut. Fantastic. I love it. Is it Spurs-related, Zach? So?
0: It is not Spurs-related. It's right. actually quite similar to Rich's question. Steve asks, who is the most underrated player in the Premier League? Whew. We can think about this for a while, but anything that comes to mind immediately?
1: Anybody that comes to mind immediately. I'm trying to think whether I want to go top half or bottom half here. If I'm going for top half... Um, would possibly say Fernandinho for Manchester City. Ooh, interesting. Um, I'm a big fan of his, and I feel like he makes huh. a big difference for them. Very underappreciated there. If I'm thinking bottom half of the table, um, actually, no, I'll scratch that. Another player who I think has not been getting as much good press, Connor Cody. Yeah, um, ooh, I like that chat. He's, Wolves. he's played basically every single minute of every single game since Wolves got promoted to the Premier League. Um, he's always reliable, always a great player to watch. Um Connor Cody for me. Hope he gets an England call-up soon.
0: Yeah, I like that shout quite a bit, actually. Um, yeah, underrated players are difficult, um, but I'll say the entire Sheffield United lineup, because they're in six, and yet nobody would probably put any of their players in the team of the year.
1: Is there one or two players from that team that you'd like to pick out for special mention? Um,
0: I really like John Flack. John Fleck is a fun little player to watch run around.
1: Yeah, he sure is. I know you've been a big Fleck fan, mm-hmm. so... Maybe he comes to Newcastle in a big money transfer at the end of the season. He wants to go <laughs> drop down maybe seven or eight positions. Yeah,
0: that would be a good move. Uh, yeah, all right. Thank good you, move. thanks, Dad, for that question. That was a good one.
1: Yeah, welcome to the pod as well. It's good to hear. A some friend of the pod. On. Friend of the pod, exactly. Yeah. This one actually might be true, though. Yeah, <laughs> this one is true.
0: Uh, all right, so you're you're letting me have this section back. I'm I'm very happy about this.
1: The listeners demanded it, Zach. Yeah, it's true. I you... was not one of those listeners, but the listeners <laughs> demanded <laughs> it
0: countless countless letters being sent to the false nine saying zach needs to come back with his his beautiful poetry we got
1: fan mail zach i will
0: deliver yeah in a in a harry potter like situation my chimney filled up with mail and i (laughs) couldn't get away from it it was magical yeah um so zach's open mic will be back for a second episode um i changed it up this time I, i i went against my better judgment and and straight away from my traditional love of haikus to give you an Irish style poem, uh, a limerick okay. of sorts, and uh, this one is dedicated to uh, the the record breaker from the weekend, Sergio Aguero. It's very nice. It's titled "A Limerick for the Foreign King." There once was a man from Buenos Aires, whose shots are kicked with blistering pace. He's scored goals a many, hat tricks o plenty. With silver hair and a smiling face.
1: <laughs> I just don't know what to make of it, Zach. Yeah. I don't know what to make of it. Well, kudos to you. I couldn't come up with anything That better, That's so.
0: my tribute to Sergio Aguero. I, I
1: think Aguero, uh, if you're listening to this right now... Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. So please write into the false nines podcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. We'll, we'll, we'll follow up on that next time. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a, a silver fox, truly. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Well, um, I'll, I'll involve you a bit more in these last two sections. We'll be doing armchair pundits in 10 and 90, as always. Adam, do you want to start with armchair pundits this
1: week? I can start with armchair pundits, Zach. Okay, um, We've talked a decent amount about this guy Um, during the pod so far. Mine's around Danny Ings this week. Danny Ings will not only make England's Euro 2020 squad, he will score his first international goal in that tournament.
0: Oh, I like that. That's a good one.
1: Yep. Only Jamie Vardy has scored more goals than him in the Premier League this season. Vardy is 33 and basically retired from international football in 2018, so Vardy won't be playing in the Euros. I would doubt unless they ask him to come out of retirement, which we we,
0: we have pretty much asked in multiple pods that we've done.
1: Yep, um, Harry Kane is out for several months. Who knows what his fitness will be like going into the World Cup? Whether he'll be able to play in Go four games. In the yeah, sorry, into the Euros. excuse me. Um, they need depth and attack as well, um, so they're, they're going to be bringing some players. Tammy Abraham is inexperienced. He won't play in every game, I don't think. Ings is at that ideal age of 27 where he's in basically the peak of his career, good good age of experience. He's obviously played for, for Liverpool in the past as well. And I think he's playing in an average Southampton side right now and excelling. And I think about him in a really world-class team like the England setup right now, what he could potentially be capable of there.
0: I love that. That's a great. That's a very positive prediction. I'm yeah. a fan of that one. It would be cool to see him get some time. A, a guy who's long forgotten from his Liverpool days, where he, nothing really panned out for him. So he's a get... son
1: of a bricklayer man.
0: Oh, ooh, nice. Yeah. One of the few players to go from Southampton to Liverpool, but then back to Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> it usually ends at Liverpool. Gotta, gotta love
1: Danny Inks. Great yeah. player.
0: Yeah, back back to his roots there. Okay, that's a good one. So so I went as. Seems to be kind of a tradition with the more cynical uh, armchair pundits this week. Uh, I said that Norwich, and I apologize to your father before saying what I'm about to say. Uh, Norwich, who's currently on 14 points, will not break 25 points this Premier League.
1: Oh, I think that's a fairly safe bet. Season. I thought you were going to say 20. Okay,
0: oh, 20. What's what's the record for lowest points? Oh, Darby. Oh, they've already beaten it. Darby had, what, 18? Or no, Darby had eight, I think, yeah. uh, about 10 years ago, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I they've think they've already that, got more than the, the record. So 25 is a pretty awful return. It's it's, you know that that's saying that in their next uh, 16 matches they will pick up just 11 points. But yeah, the goals aren't there. The defense doesn't seem terribly interested. Tim Cruel, love you to death, but you are just not a. A Premier League goalkeeper anymore yep. uh, So yeah, actually yeah Maybe we change it and say they don't even get to 20 How about uh, that? They have Newcastle in a couple of weeks, you sure? Ooh, that's going to be tough They'll get one point from
1: that They will Yeah, Newcastle they plays to their opponents level the And they beat Man City as well can you, can you believe that? That is weird Six six of those 14 are from, live, from Newcastle and Man City Yeah, that's wild But yeah, I don't think that Norwich breaks 20 points I I, I would... Somewhere
0: between 20 and 25 for me Okay, 22. 22? 22? Over, yeah. over under 22 over under 21 and a half. Do you wanna put some money on this? Oh shit. Over. Over twenty one and a half, I'll take the under. Five dollars. Done. There it is. Right. That's the double or nothing. Okay. That's how double or nothing works, Adam. <laughs> there's a private. there's a private issue that I have with Adam's knowledge of gambling. Zach has a private issue with me. Uh yeah. Okay. Cool. Alright, nice.
1: Sounds good. Alright, let's get into ten and ninety. I'd like you to go first, because I've got some hypotheticals for you that I think you might enjoy. So why don't you go first this time? Alright.
0: I kept mine kind of Somewhat basic this this week. I, I you know, I, I went back to my roots with, with questions. You're pretty um, basic, guys. Eh? I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, all right, so I'll, I will start off then. Uh, question number one: Sergio Aguero or Thierry Henry? Who would you take in their prime?
1: Henry. Okay. More more so because I think he made me fall in love with the Premier League back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching him and Beckham in their primes to me was really what. Got me watching football outside of watching Newcastle. Um, just incredible players.
0: Okay, I like that. All right, fair mm-hmm. enough. Uh, question number two Who's gonna win the Champions League?
1: Suarez just got injured for Barcelona. He did. And he's out for some time. That's important. So I would have gone to Barcelona, but instead.
0: Does it stay in England?
1: Let's go with Man City. Okay. I just have a feeling this year.
0: Doubling doubling up on that prediction from earlier? I just have a feeling
1: this year that it might be their year. They might figure it out.
0: That would be interesting. I like that. Okay. So speaking of Manchester City, um, to celebrate Sergio Aguero's accomplishments in the Premier League, certainly his most well-known moment was the league-winning goal against QPR in the 2011-2012 season. What was the exact time on the clock when he scored that goal to win Manchester City their title? That's an awful question. Um, There's not- a documentary made about that goal, and the title is "The
1: Time on the Clock." I know it was an injury time. Mm-hmm. So let's go with ninety-two. How many seconds? Thirty-one.
0: All right, you uh, double up those numbers, and you're quite close. It's Ninety-three twenty-one. 90, Ninety-three twenty.
1: Oh, 93 yeah. There you go.
0: Ninety-three twenty. It was in okay. the 94th minute of four minutes of added time. Okay. So it was literally the last I game. I remember video. watching it. I watched that game live. Yeah, me too. Incredible. It was remarkable. There will probably never be a moment that is that dramatic. No. Especially no. to win it over Manchester United for their first title. Yeah, exactly.
1: But pretty incredible. Pretty bittersweet for them.
0: Um, okay. So uh, question number four. How many goals does Joe Linton score for Newcastle <laughs> <in>
1: this season? <laughs> I told you we wouldn't have anybody that breaks 10. Mm-hmm. Um, are we including only Premier League?
0: Yeah, let's just say only Premier League. Only so, Premier so he League. currently has
1: one. I don't think he scores five. So f- I'll four. go with four.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, evidence supports that. Uh, yeah. so I'll give it to you. Um, okay. And my last question, in this January transfer window, will Newcastle United sign anybody? And if they do, how much money will it be for? Well, I can tell you
1: that they made a signing. Not an account-
0: Will Newcastle United S- sign anybody for the first team? And if so, how much?
1: 50,000 British pounds. A 16-year-old from Scotland, center midfielder. There it is. I'm blanking on his name right now. Will that be
0: the only signing Newcastle makes?
1: No, I think we bring in a signing. Okay. Yeah. And knowing Steve Bruce, he'll probably sign a defender because he'll feel like that's where we need to strengthen. Which is idiotic. Uh, yeah. How now, much? Uh, there's been rumors about um, a winger for... Um, for bring, coming in for us for 20 million. I think that he'll get backed in the window. Not crazy. I think he'll sign one maybe good player for around that 20 million mark. 20 million? Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. You'll enjoy this. So, my theme is in honor of the upcoming Grammy Awards that will happen before our next pod.
0: This is a weird one. I feel yeah. uncomfortable already.
1: These are hypothetical Grammy questions. Okay. So, you, you'll kind of get the theme and the kind of cadence as we go along here. Which Premier League footballer is most likely to have Ariana Grande playing on repeat in order to fire them up for a game? Declan Rice. (laughs) You can see Declan Rice. Absolutely, you can see Declan Rice. So same question. Which English Premier League footballer is most likely to have Pink playing in the background in order to fire them up?
0: Pink. That's an interesting one. Uh, I will go with... Um i go with John Deere Shelby. John Joe Shelby <laughs> listening to Pink. I can't imagine him listening to right. any
1: music, to be honest. <laughs> Same question. Who would get fired up by Michael Bublé playing?
0: Mm, great question. Uh, let's go with... Michael Bublé. Um, 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 um. Give, me, give me one more second. Let's go with... Trent Alexander-Arnold. think <laughs> like Trent, He's just like just like a nice
1: guy. Loves Loves Christmas music. Yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold. I just haven't met you yet. That would be interesting to hear Trent listening to that. Very good. All right. Um, another person up for a Grammy Award here. Um, Andrea Bocelli. Who would be listening to Andrea Bocelli Ooh. to fire them
0: up? Ooh, that's good.
1: What Italians are in the Premier League right now? So many Italians. Do you think Moise Keane would be listening to Andrea Bocelli?
0: No, no, no. That's not it. Not knowing um, really his age some other Italians in the Premier League what other ones can you think of
1: that's not my 10 and 90s act. that's a really good point
0: actually um, yeah let's go with Moise I guess because I can't think of any no 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 I, I, no James Milner James Milner would listen to <laughs> yes that is the answer I end love of the your question. conviction oh that.
1: thank god I got that okay good all right. Um, as a millennial, you you have to love this person, Billie Eilish. No,
0: I don't really. Actually. I don't love Billie? Not, Eilish. not
1: a big Billie Eilish I actually fan. Actually, probably like
0: Billie Eilish. Uh, oh man! All right. So I'm gonna change my, I'm gonna change my pink <laughs> person from John, Joe, Shelby to let's go with. Um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, and Billie Eilish for for John Joe. That one makes sense to me. That is so John, random. John Joe would listen to some weird, kind of like
1: odd, like some odd music. That makes I, sense. Yeah, I, I see that. John Joe came off the bench today as well too. Got some minutes under his belt after Did his he? injury. So good, good to see that. All right. All right. Um, last question of the pod, as always. I would like you to say this Welsh word for me. I'll spell it for our listeners. M-W-Y-N-H-A-U. M W Y N H A U.
0: Minshao. That sounds is it, like that is sounds Asian?
1: Like, yeah. That sounds Chinese, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Um, let's go with Minithao. <laughs> That's that sounds a bit more it's, British. It's Moinhai.
1: Moinhai. Moinhai. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. And that means enjoy, as in Zach enjoys my Welsh language questions.
0: Oh, uh, that's not true, but I do like that question. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first one I've enjoyed. Exactly. There we go. Um. All right. Great. Well, that was the, the 35th episode of The False Nines. As Adam mentioned before, if you want to have a question featured on our next episode, just shoot us an email at the thefalse 9s podcast at gmail.com
1: but yeah until next time adam sounds good shout out to friend of the pod freddy adieu as well uh, we miss you Freddie. and f- until next time footy. Footy.